Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 190. I am your host, Jared Weich, alongside, as always, Dominic Orlando. So I just got a, a two terabyte hard drive, so I can fit half of uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare on it now. <laughs> Almost there. Uh, no Chris this week, some things came up, so he won't be joining us this week, but in his place, we have guest, longtime guest, been on the show numerous times, Logan Moore of Dual Shockers. How's it going, Logan? Hi, I'm doing good. How many times have I been on this show? Are we have we reached double digits yet? Maybe getting close. Maybe so. For the longest time, Blessing was the was the person who came on the most, and then obviously once he got his spot with kind of funny, that kind of cut off everything. <laughs> He's a very busy man now. Uh, so I think you've easily passed him at this point to be uh, the person who's guested the most. You guessed yeah. almost every E3 for the last four years, and then when you've it been exists. On when it exists and then maybe twice a year at most each of those years as well so yeah i would say probably like nine or ten i don't know maybe double digits sounds about Uh, right it sounds about right uh yeah so not a whole lot of news this week a lot of smaller stuff and uh we're kind of seeing the effects of with not e3 not being here and people getting excited of these smaller announcements we're going to have weeks where we get the bigger stuff and we're going to have weeks where there's Really not much at all. Um, So we have some smaller news to get through, and then we have uh, a a topic or two to get to at the end as well that I prepared that we can talk about. But, you know, there's some news worth talking about. Last week, we ended the show discussing Mafia and how we were expecting an announcement. This week, they kind of teased that, and the information came out. So the way it worked is with the Mafia Trilogy, it's this whole package that comes with the definitive editions of all three games. It's going to be $60. You can purchase that now. Uh, Anybody who owned Mafia 2 or Mafia 3 got the definitive edition as a free update, which is really cool. And the pricing for the games individually on their own uh, without the bundle is that Mafia Definitive Edition is $40. Two and three are $30 each. So if you think about it, paying 60 bucks for the trilogy, you save a lot of money if you're planning to go through the trilogy once again. Um... And the Mafia 1 Definitive Edition is releasing in August, August 28th. Uh, Last week we talked about Logan. None of us really had any experience with the franchise outside of like 3 and hearing about how, you know, the character and narrative was pretty interesting, but the gameplay and the world around that was pretty repetitive. And I talked about how the first Mafia being more of a remake as opposed to the other two being uh, slight remasters of the games, it got me a little bit more excited because it, the game looked beautiful. It looks like an entirely new game. Um, and I'm actually surprised that they're releasing it at $40 because they could have easily, for it being a full-on remake, be 60 uh, Do these definitive editions in this trilogy, do they interest you at all? Do you have any past experience with the franchise? Uh, so, actually, yeah, it's like one of those franchises I've been wanting to get into for... A really long time i own mafia 3 and they made available all the dlc for that for free now i guess since you, if you own that so i guess i own the definitive edition version of that now uh but i never played it i got it for like christmas a few years ago i think and i just never got around to actually playing it like a lot of games that i own nowadays uh so i've wanted to play it for a long time i've had friends who have played both mafia 1 and 2 and they've recommended both to me for a really long time uh, I almost made the dive in to get two earlier this week, but I heard the port is like not too hot right now and that people should wait on it because it's kind of hitchy and has performance problems, which 
just bizarre, uh, especially with how they're releasing this as a staggered release. Like, if the game had problems, I don't understand why they needed to release it right now, but that's a whole different thing. Uh, Mafia 1 Remake looks awesome, though. Like, yeah, I was, like, shocked by how gorgeous that game looked. Um, and again, maybe it's just because it's... The original game is, like, surprisingly, like, almost 20 years old at this point, which seems super bizarre to me. Um, so, I mean, I guess we all should have expected it to be a little bit more remade from the ground up like that. Um, but, yeah, I think the remake looks totally awesome. And if I don't ever get around to playing 2 or 3, I definitely think I'm going to give the first one a shot uh, when it comes out in August. Um, so, yeah. The $40 price point, too, makes it a lot easier to jump in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dom, there's obviously when stuff like this happens, there's always theories of, you know, are they testing the market to see if a Mafia 4 would actually do well? Because, you know, Mafia 3 didn't hit to great critical success and it didn't really sell that well either. Um, I think it sold better. Honestly, they announced, uh, sorry to jump in. They announced yesterday that it sold 7 million copies, which was like sneaky what? high for me. Or I, oh, I thought. So like the game well, especially with well, the critical actually. reception, right? Uh, yeah. You'd assume because it got like mostly sevens. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's actually quite surprising. But, Dom, A, are you interested in the first remake as, as uh, Logan and I are? And, two, do you think that this is them testing the waters for maybe a Mafia 4 down the road? Yes, the remake of the first one. It looks incredible uh, visually. I'll be curious, uh, unless there's already some information about, like, you know, are the mechanics pretty well updated kind of a thing? Or is this going to, you know, feel like an old clunky game, even though it looks you know, visually great. That's, that'll be kind of like the, the deciding factor for me, but I'm, I'm cautiously interested. Um, <clears throat> for F Mafia 4, it was a few months ago, we talked about some like news or like strong rumors or something of the sort that, and I already forgot the name of the studio, but they were working on a new IP or a different IP other than Mafia. A Hangar 13? A Hangar 13, yeah. I can't remember exactly what that rumor was, but... I think it, it kind of like leaned in the direction of they're doing a different IP next. Um, and I'm kind of, I mean, although just now finding out that three sold 7 million copies, <laughs> that I, I kind of feel like you follow that up with four first. Um, so I, I don't know. I could see you going either way. Well, and the interesting thing, you know, Logan mentioned the game is almost 20 years old. People forget that the first Mafia came out in 2002, right? Wow. And the cool thing is it's releasing on August 28th, which would be almost its 18-year anniversary to the day because it originally came out on August 27th back in 2002. So that's pretty neat. Uh, and the thing you referenced as well was the 2K investor meeting where they mentioned Hangar 13 was working on something and then they teased the Bioshock entry, right? The next Bioshock game. Mm -hmm. um, so by, I don't remember the name of the studio. They formed a new studio. It's called like Cloud something. Yeah, it's called Man. something. I forget. Cloud <laughs> yeah. Imperium or something weird like that, I think. Yeah. Uh, that was mentioned in that call. And who knows, maybe 2K might tag another team to do a Mafia 4 because, you know, Hangar 13's attempted it didn't really do all that well critically. Um, but we'll see what happens. 2K is an interesting company when it comes to what they decide to green light or move on from. Uh, next up, a company that I hold near and dear to my heart, Respawn. Uh, they recently had their 10-year anniversary, and they announced that a new Apex Legends-focused studio will be opening up in Vancouver. It's going to be led by the game director of Apex Legends currently. 
this makes sense. Uh, we've always wondered, you know, Apex Legends is a game of service style game. They have Jedi Fallen Order 2 probably in development. They're also finishing the Medal of Honor uh, VR game uh, that we'll likely see at their EA Play digital event. Uh, Medal of Honor, correct? Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad that they have a focus studio now for that because Respawn is at a point where they do need to expand so they can focus on these projects individually. On top of this, we also had, obviously, Vince Zampella taking over DICE LA. They're going to be rebranding. Uh, he stated that they're not going to be working on something uh, Titanfall-related, uh, that they're going to be doing their own thing, quote-unquote. So I'm just happy that they're expanding. They're easily EA's flagship, especially with BioWare's recent struggles, which is unfortunate. Um, it, it's interesting that they, out of all the companies there, because of their success and also Vince Zampella's place on the board for uh ea that they kind of have the freedom that not a lot of if not any other developers under ea have right so a new studio is really cool uh, do you think uh you, do you guys think that this vancouver studio was opened up specifically because they have such a long plan ahead with apex legends that they needed to expand so they could have their other teams focus on the more you know narrative single player linear style games well, yeah, that, and um, they made it a point, right, to say, like, we're going to do uh, games as a service a little bit differently than some other studios have, and we're not going to, like, you know, run our employees ragged to get out updates once a month. Fewer um, updates, yeah. Yeah, so obviously they still need to put content out, um, but and so that'll be easier at a pace that's reasonable while not expecting too much of your employees when you have a you know, more dedicated studio, so... Yeah. I mean, to that point, too, with Respawn in general, uh, I guess, Logan, I want to hear from you. What do you think they're going to be showing at E3 or E3? Sorry, forgive me. E3 doesn't exist anymore. Uh, as well. The EA digital uh, EA play digital event. Z Vince Ampella said that they're going to be showing something new, right? He teased it with a PR person with him. And he said that it specifically wasn't Titanfall related uh, or wasn't a t they didn't have an active uh, development for a new Titanfall any anything, really. Do you think that the running rumor of it possibly being Apex Legends single-player stuff. Uh, what do you expect to see from Respawn at this EA Play if we know no new Titanfall is in the mix? Is it just another, you know, reveal of something Apex Legends-related? Um, yeah, I mean, that seems potentially likely because knowing how their studio is structured, they had the, they had the Titanfall team, which then spun off and became the Apex team, and then they hired for the action team, which became the star wars jedi fallen order team and then somewhere in the midst of all that they did the medal of honor as well the vr um, team yeah yeah so those seem to be pretty concretely how the studio is divided right now and the jedi fallen order team is obviously going to jump off and immediately start making that sequel you would assume so they're still tied down uh i don't know how the I don't know. Long story short, yeah, probably something involving Apex, I would imagine, is what they're going to announce at EA Play. I mean, there's going to be Apex news there regardless, but whether or not it ends up being single player or not remains to be seen. Um, I think single player would make a lot of sense because I feel like they have been fleshing out that world more and more and more every season jump they do to where people are starting to really get invested in the lore and like intrigue of that world that they've built out, which is kind of fascinating. Um so yeah, I think I think something like that would make sense. Um, Apex on paper is most likely what it'll be, and if it's something completely else out of right field, then that would be borderline shocking. Um, 
it'll be odd to live in a world where Apex Legends could possibly get some single-player content before Overwatch does. You know, because we already know Overwatch 2 is going to be coming out, and people have wanted a single-player campaign for Overwatch, because just like Apex, they've built out that world, the characters, their cinematics are so beautiful, right? So it'd be very odd if, you know, the guys at Respawn jump on the fan feedback of wanting some more story-related and specified content before Blizzard does. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, next up, PlayStation. We have some PlayStation news regarding PS Now. So, they reported that PlayStation Now has now moved up to 2.2 million subscribers, up from the 1 million reported in October of 2019. Uh, this is really cool. If you see this in, in a nutshell by itself, it's like, wow, they doubled their subscribers in, what is that, less than you know six months? Well, I guess like seven months. Um, but people kind of took the wind out of the sails on this one when you look at the numbers for Xbox Game Pass, which have now reported 10 million users for their service. And Game Pass has existed uh, three years less than PlayStation Now has. Obviously, we can tell that the rise in PlayStation committing to letting their users download the games. I believe that feature is only available for the PS4 games on PlayStation Now. Um, has kind of let mm -hmm. them grab more subscribers than they had. They were stagnant for quite a while, it seemed. Um, and it seems like they're growing didn't... super fast. Um, sorry, what were we going to say, Logan? Didn't they lower the price, too? Yes. Uh, they made it more competitive with Xbox with... Game Pass. Yeah. Yeah. And so that... since then, they put a lot of like bigger games on like since late last year, right? Yeah. Uh, they had God of War on there. And I think they rotate every... There, I think, so. Yeah. They rotate every three months, which is slightly different than Xboxes, where the first-party games kind of stay in there, right, and they come out at launch. And we also have to factor in the uh, Xbox gets Xbox Game Pass into the hands of the subscribers at almost free, and then hopes from that point on that they hit the subscriber method of, you know, set it in, forget it, or people get so attached to it that they just stay in the service. Um, it's really interesting to see how this will focus going into next generation. Uh, I think... You know, we assumed that PlayStation would either rebrand or do this new initiative for PlayStation Now. And I do think that still might happen moving into next gen. I don't know about a rebrand specifically, but I do think they might put some more marketing and strategy behind trying to resell PlayStation Now in the next generation because it is going to be such a focus. Um, but yeah, comparing those two, it's so interesting when you also throw in the fact that there's over 100 million PlayStation 4s out there, and there's at most maybe 50 million Xboxes. So it shows the power of Microsoft putting all of that money and marketing behind Xbox Game Pass to try to make it a thing because their service is five times larger in terms of subscribers than PlayStation despite having at best half of the player base, right? So interesting stuff. I don't know if you guys have anything else to add to that. It just, yeah, these companies are making money. One's making a little bit more money uh, than the other one on the service. Well, maybe not a little bit more, quite a bit more. Um, but, you know, moving into the, uh, the, the next generation, it's going to be interesting to see how exactly things shift with all of this and, you know, how exactly PlayStation refocuses. And if they can ever catch up, that's going to be interesting. We talk about Xbox never being able to catch up in the in the race in terms of console sales don do you think that playstation could catch up in terms of subscribers or do you think because their focus isn't solely on that and they're not going to have the day one launches that it won't catch up to xbox uh yeah i don't think i don't think it will i think it depends more on uh, streaming to be honest because that's 
that's supposed to be the whole point of it. Um, that's why it's called PlayStation Now, right? Um, yeah. And part of it too that I think we kind of overlook, and maybe it's that's because it's not that big a deal, is all those games that would have, were stuck to the PlayStation Four or Three before are now available like on PC, right? <clears throat> Just via streaming. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe that can I don't know if the streaming server, the streaming part of it can I don't know gain some steam, and I could see that like starting to get them closer to being even but because as far as we know they've always they've said that yeah this is something that they're not going to put their own new first party games on there right away right it's something where a year or two or three years after they launch they'll try to find a second life with some of those games right so yeah i don't think it's that's the metric they're trying to necessarily uh, win in compared to how xbox is doing it but yeah well the thing we forget too is PlayStation is now partnered with Microsoft for their cloud services. So if, you know, PlayStation is successful with the cloud and streaming and all that in next gen, Microsoft will still benefit from that because they're, they're partnered with them, which will be interesting. Uh, and that'll also dictate maybe the quality of both, because if they're using the same services, obviously Microsoft is going to want it to be rock solid, which then benefits PlayStation gamers, because if they're using the same uh, systems in place, then, you know, as Xbox goes, PlayStation will, you know, for better or worse with that. So it'll be interesting to see. The next bit of news is a segment I like to call someone got hired. A lot of times on this podcast, we talk about people who get hired uh, at different game developer uh, studios, and some of them are more prominent than others because they were the leads in these projects. And it's kind of cool to talk about what could possibly be happening behind the scenes and what projects are in store with these people moving jobs. Some of the biggest ones are all of the AAA developers and leads that have been going to the initiative over the last couple of years. Uh, it's, we're still unsure what exactly that new Xbox quadruple A studio is building. But today we have a new hire by another Xbox game studios developer, Obsidian Entertainment. Uh, obviously the developers of the Outer Worlds and a lot of other beloved RPGs has added Joseph Rubino as cinematic director. And obviously this oh, is yeah. probably a name you don't Joe. recognize. And, uh, they hired him for an unannounced project and if you're unfamiliar with him his previous work includes cinematic focused projects uh for red dead redemption 2 assassin's creed odyssey gta 5 and much more pretty good resume there of solid games a lot of them have very cinematic set pieces this to me is it's unclear if this is the theory you'd go to or the or the assumption is that he's going to be working on the outer worlds too right they just had that franchise come out. Uh, obviously, it was published by Private Division, but now it's wholly owned by Microsoft. So, would they be hiring a cinematic director for that? Or, what people are wondering is, what if they're going to try to, with the budget that they have now with Microsoft, are they going to tackle something closer to the Fallout New Vegas that they kind of built a really good reputation on, right? I don't know if you had a chance to play The Outer Worlds, Logan, but for me, my biggest complaint was... It was a great game, but it was hampered by its budget. Like, you could feel that budget in that game, right? It wanted to be the Fallout New Vegas's of the world, but it was a more indie-ish version of that, and you saw kind of the corners they had to cut to do that. Um, do you? What would you think? Do you think that, that Obsidian would hire a cinematic director for a game like Outer Worlds, or do you think this might be a larger project they're trying to tackle with the funding of Microsoft now that they have it? 
Um, I can't remember if it was Obsidian or in Exile, and you might be able to tell me this, Jared, but I remember when both of them were acquired, one of the two of them said that they had a project that was in the works that like Microsoft was all over and like wanted to lock them down specifically because they loved whatever that idea was that was floating around. And I feel like it was Obsidian, but I could be totally wrong. Um, so I feel like they might be cooking up something totally different that is not Outer Worlds related. Um, I'm honestly curious how the Outer Worlds thing would shake out now that they're owned by Microsoft, because um, the publishing rights for that would be a little nebulous since private. Well, they've already owns stated the for- uh, they've already stated that uh, the publishing rights for Outer Worlds are now Microsoft's, because okay. I guess Private Division didn't have those. They published the game, but they, those publishing rights were still owned by Obsidian. So now Microsoft okay. fully has that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So they just allowed it to get to retail or whatever, which is something kind of common that I think a lot of publishers do sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, a sequel to The Outer Worlds would potentially make sense. The game was pretty well critically received. I don't know if it sold, how many copies it sold. 2.5 million they reported this week. Okay. So, I mean, that's pretty good, I guess, but I feel like... Uh, it launched in Game like Pass they... as well, remember. So those yeah. aren't really oh, counted yeah. either. Yeah, I feel like they might have something else that they've been working on behind the scenes there that is not Outer Worlds related. Um, the fact that, what's his name, Joseph here, just joined the studio makes me think that perhaps he could be joining a potential sequel team um, since he is coming aboard right now. You would assume to hop aboard pre-production of something they're working on. So in that case, it could make sense if it was an Outer Worlds sequel. But uh, they've definitely got something else that they're working on there. And it is not grounded for the record either. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure they said they had. I'm I'm almost certain it was them. But I could totally be compla- conflating it with in exile. But I'm pretty sure Obsidian, when they were acquired, they said they had one smaller thing that they were working on. And then they had one bigger thing that they were working on that Microsoft execs were, like, really, really keen on. The um, thing you might be remembering is at XO19, when they showed off Grounded, they were doing that interview afterwards, and the guy said, you know, when Microsoft came to us and they acquired us, they saw some projects we were working on, one of them they were really excited about. Yeah. They also saw this game, and we weren't sure, because this was kind of like a little fun project on the side, what was going to happen with it, and Microsoft said, oh, we love this, go ahead with this too and get this out there, and that and uh, Bleeding Edge are both these weird passion projects by these studios that Microsoft just mm-hmm. let them make. That's a weird thing, too, with Bleeding Edge, is people are coming out and saying, like, oh, that game was panned, it didn't do well critically, no one's really playing it. And though that is true, that game was never, like, hoisted to the point of, like, oh, this is Ninja Theory's next big game, right? Yeah. These were these smaller passion projects. I think Grounded is going to be a really cool thing for Game Pass, but, like you mentioned, Microsoft and fans alike are waiting for what's the big thing next from Obsidian. Um and with Outer Worlds, it's a little bit quirky and fun, and I wonder if the other project they want to do is a little bit more serious in tone, and maybe Outer Worlds could be the smaller project between them, because as we've talked about a lot of times on this podcast is these studios like Bethesda and uh, even CD Projekt Red, they have these glorious big open-world RPGs that we get to play, and then we have to wait half a decade to see their next game. So if you're able yeah. to have these studios be able to go back and forth, because one of the benefits of Outer Worlds, uh, I think me and you agree on this, Dom, is that it wasn't this long 80-hour RPG, right? It was smaller in scope, and that let us get through it. And for those who want to go back and replay, they could have, right? Yeah, yeah, it, was, it wasn't a... I mean, it was still long, though. I mean, you could... Yeah, for sure. You could probably put, like, you know, 40 to 50 in. I think I finished it around 30. Um, so it's not, you know, in the scope of the 
of games in general. It's still long, but yeah, compared to its, uh, you know, counterparts of other large open world RPGs, I guess it's short. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, this person's probably gonna Joseph, forgot his last name already again too. Um, probably going to be helping out on multiple projects i would assume um so and it's interesting to see because yeah this is a a studio that's known for their rpgs right so someone um bringing in someone who's uh, what was was he an animator or a cinematic uh, director cinematic director right so like what yeah are they gonna is the next is is the the inner worlds gonna have some more (laughs) cinematic (laughs) elements to it not the the stiff you know, janky non-cutscenes that we see in those types of games, or what? So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Is maybe they're putting a bigger yeah. emphasis on those elements. Yeah, that's the interesting thing is because when you think about those games, you don't think about cinematics, right? You do think about right. the janky like conversations with NPCs. So maybe they do want to try something different and make it more than what we expect from the fallouts of the world. Who knows? Uh, next up, we got some sales numbers. So in the segment I like to call "It Sold How Much." Uh, we have some updated numbers from various companies, mostly take two, but we do have some other, uh, sales updates. So the dark souls trilogy has officially passed 27 million copies sold, which is really dope. Um, it's really impressive for a franchise that seemingly came out of nowhere. Um, you know, some people argue demon souls put from software on, on the map, but I think it, most people would agree that it was dark souls that put him in the spotlight and made them who they are. Uh, in my opinion, the most consistent developer going in terms of high-quality releases at, at a quicker pace than most. Uh, next up, Red Dead Redemption 2 hit 31 million units. Really rock solid, especially for a Western game uh, that reviewed very well, but had a lot of like negative feedback at launch, uh, more so than I expected. Uh, you know, People hated the pacing and the controls and made a lot of other reasons why they didn't want to play it. But 31 million copies is still pretty substantial. Next up, this is a number that was quite staggering. Uh, GTA 5 hit 135 million units sold, which doesn't even include all of the people who downloaded it off of the Epic Game Store in the last week. Uh, For free, yeah. Yeah, that game just continues to sell. Uh, I, The 130 million sold is impressive. I would like to see the total revenue from GTA Online. I want to see that number, because that number is astronomical. Uh that game is always in MPD top 20, oftentimes in the top 10. Uh, just continues to sell. The last one on the list that kind of dwarfed that one in comparison is Minecraft. Minecraft recently hit 200 million uh, units sold, which is insane. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but back when Microsoft purchased Mojang, people felt that like it was a bad decision because Minecraft seemingly was at its peak. They're like, why would you pay for it now? It's or it's not going to be any bigger than it is now. And then you saw the transition to making it more of an educational project, uh, product, and putting it in schools and all the continuous updates. We recently saw ray tracing in Minecraft, which not it's not just a joke. I'm excited to see what that game looks like with those features on the Xbox Series X. Um, and the other number they touted was 126 million monthly players, which is also crazy. So. It has as many monthly players as GTA 5 has sold copies. That's crazy. Um, I guess the only other argument people would have is Tetris might have sold more, but there's a whole weird thing with Tetris of they mix all the different versions of it together. It's very odd. Um, I don't know. All these numbers, which one stands out to you guys most? Because you know, most people think it's the one that sold the most, the biggest number, but do any of these stand out even though they weren't the biggest number on here? 
it's, it's for, still it's GTA for me. Uh, Minecraft, um, obviously that's a lot, but that's an extremely accessible game, um, both in content and you know platforms. Like it's it's on phones, it's on any device pretty much you can think of. You can play Minecraft, right? And it's cheap. It's incredibly cheap. Uh, whereas you know GTA is uh, it's a very very mature game for one. So theoretically there aren't too many younger kids playing it obviously that's going to happen still but um <laughs> it's a, it'd be a harder sell uh for eight-year-old johnny to get minecraft to get gta than minecraft i guess is my point um uh but yeah 130 million like that for like a full granted probably half those sales were when it was on sale a half off or less or whatever but still that's a full retail like 60 dollars game you know minecraft was always uh in open beta for the longest time not that those count for the sales but like i don't know it just is way more accessible right um, so that doesn't quite stand out as much as gta is like and, and the idea that i'm pretty convinced that they're gonna put you know a ps5 xbox series x label on a box and sell it with the same game in it right whether it's whether it's upgraded or not i don't know but um, it's going to sell even more next gen, so that's kind of like crazy that this game might end up hitting two hundred million itself someday. I don't know, but uh, that's the one that sticks out to me. Yeah, Logan, anything stand out? Yeah, GTA is insane. Um, I feel like the narrative on that just continuing to do crazy every month is well documented at this point. I think the one that stood out to me was the Minecraft thing because I think it's one thing to have like two hundred million copies sold or whatever. Like that's that's outrageous, obviously, but for well over what is that like 60 percent of the people who have lifetime purchased that game still play every single month that is like that's a good point that's stupid crazy to me um and i don't know what the numbers are equivocally with grand theft auto i'm inclined to believe they would be way lower but i'm also (laughs) not sure how that game keeps ending up on top 10 charts every single month either so who knows uh, but yeah, the concurrent player base for Minecraft is outrageous. Um, but then again, it's on everything possible. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, and to Dom's point, if you have a family and you have three kids, you'll likely buy your three kids each a copy of Minecraft for their laptop or, you know, whatever they have individually. Whereas like a parent isn't probably going to buy their ki- each of their kids a copy of GTA five. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. doesn't seem to work out different as much. Playstations and different Xboxes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas you can buy it for your kid on his phone or his laptop right. or his iPad or whatever. Uh, next up, in similar news, uh, 2K kind of released their franchise sale totals. So these are the cumulative sales for some of their biggest franchises. So GTA is now, as a franchise, sold 325 million copies, which, if you put into that, that into perspective, GTA 5 is 40% of GTA's total sales as a franchise, which is crazy. When you think about how popular that franchise has been for as long as it has, Borderlands has hit 60 million as of the release of Borderlands 3, which is really awesome as well. Red I Dead. Mean, it's, it's really awesome for that, but it's particularly shitty for all the people who didn't get their bonuses that worked on it for so long. <laughs> Very bad point. Yeah, yeah, Pitchford actually bragged about that on Twitter today. And it was pretty, pretty tone deaf. It yeah. seemed like. Man, anyway. that. Pitchford and Tone Deaf in the same sentence? I would have never guessed. Uh, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption, total 52 million. Which, if you add up that, that means that the first Red Dead sold uh, 21 million. So, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 has already outsold that, which isn't surprising considering the amount of gamers we have these days in comparison to when that game came out in 2010, right? It was Red Dead 1? 
I think 2010. That sounds right. Yeah, it was uh, the 10th anniversary this week, I think, actually. Yeah. This past week, uh, like a couple days ago. Bioshock, $35 million. Where's that next Bioshock? I want to get into my veins. And one that people often forget, the 2K NBA series, $100 million total. Hmm, nice. <laughs> that game sounds like gangbusters, and people often forget about that. Uh, man... I feel so bad for NBA Live. I think it's just struggling to try to come back to life over and over again. It just doesn't work. Um, it's interesting how the NBA and the NFL have gone different paths in the gaming sphere where, you know, the NFL is locked to EA, right? Whereas the NBA isn't, but the 2K product is so much better than the EA product that it kind of killed it and it is exclusive in a way without even trying. So, I mean, 2K just... Uh... It's so frustrating. I can rant about 2K forever. It's the product is so bad now. It really is. Like it's gone so downhill over the past couple of years. But oh man, you want to talk about the uh, lottery wheel and all that stuff? Yeah, like people are always like pissed off at I don't know what Call of Duty and Star Wars Battlefront and all these things. Like with being really predatory when it comes to microtransactions, dude. NBA 2K is the worst game on the whole market annually with microtransactions and like no one even cares and it sells like 15 million copies a year so and they're not fixing it because they don't need to because there's no outrage about it because it's a sports game that even though it's sold a hundred million copies yeah so those games still play really well too which is what sucks is like they're really great sports sims but that that's a problem too of there not being very prominent voices in the video game space that play sports games because they're oblivious to this because it's just not even in their sphere right so yeah yeah, it is what it is uh it is what it is lastly we had another expo little thing announced so new game plus expo is going to be taking place on june 23rd uh this will feature many japanese publishers and developers including arc system works atlas grasshopper Indie Creates, Koei Tecmo, NIS America, Sega, SNK, Spike Chunsoft, WayForward, all of those boys. Uh, you can watch it live at 8 a.m. Pacific Delta time, I believe is PDT, uh, at twitch.tv slash newgameplusexpo. Me personally, uh, none of these developers really speak to me. A lot of these developers work on you know Japanese fighting games or JRPGs, which aren't my bag. But it is cool to see a like genre theme specific thing going on um i guess for you guys i want to know does this interest you at all with all the people taking part in it and the second question to that would be if you could pick a event taking place around a certain theme or genre what would you want to see in you know the coming years or maybe in the coming months if it was possible none of these did it for me either that's not really as you said my bag (laughs) yeah Logan, I want to see I want to see from Con where it is Hidetaki <laughs> Miyazaki coming in to talk about Souls games and mm-hmm. Elden, Elden Ring. Ring. Yes, yeah. please show us that game. Uh, I don't know, dude. I am like honestly, we were talking amongst our staff today at Dual Shockers about how we need to get a little bit more organized and like start keeping track of these events that are coming up. And normally we're we're on top of all that stuff. It's just getting a little bit wild this summer with no E3. How everybody is setting up events and stuff now and i think this one is kind of smart with it being more japanese centric games or whatever um so it makes sense to give a collective platform to that but then you've got ign's thing and keely's thing keely's thing i still don't i don't know i could get on a soapbox about that i don't understand the point of that 
because he just keeps claiming every single announcement that a publisher makes like hey we're doing a state of play this week for ghost of tsushima and then keely chimes in he's like oh that's part of my thing that i'm doing over here it, I don't, I don't really understand Keeley's whole event so far. He just keeps calling dibs on everything that's happening. Anyway, that's a way longer rant. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> from from con, sure, we'll stick with that. Souls con. Summer uh, Game Fest is weird because it's like a Google calendar that's also trying to be the presenter of the events. It's like yeah. we're the one place, you know, where everything's happening. But also, we're going to claim that we're that it's happening under our umbrella, but then there's no, like, marketing or, you know, news of us being a part of it. It's very odd. It's I just, mean, like, Keeley is just, like, starting to rub me the wrong way a little bit over the past few years. He's always trying to, like, hitch his wagon to somebody else's. <laughs> like, he's just always trying to hop aboard somebody else's thing. Like, and that, this is, like, the... This is like the crux of that, because like I said, the whole Ghost of Tsushima state of play last week was supposedly part of Game Fest. EA Play next month is part of Game Fest. Like all these things that are being announced totally separate that aren't related at all are somehow all a part of his thing. But his thing is doing nothing for them. I would love saying it's a part of it. I would love if it culminated in maybe him next year doing an E3 thing where it's like one week or a couple of weeks all together. It just this whole year, I know people hate on E3, and obviously the ESA is terrible and yada, 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 but the lack of that stuff is showing how easily stuff can get lost and confusing when it's not all taking place around the same time period. And, you know, people make the argument of, like, yo, you know, like, Microsoft will be fine. They can own their week with their news. PlayStation can be fine. You know, CD Projekt Red can be fine. But then you have these, like, middle-tier developers and even indies that will get lost in the mix. We, us three, who do this stuff and talk about it on a weekly basis will know about these things. But the casual consumer who tunes into E3 to watch that stuff uh, won't, you know? So I do think yeah. we're going to oh. see some things get lost in the mix because of the lack that's of a structured event. It was cool, and I know like it, not everyone was like fully on board and loving Microsoft's last, uh, uh, what do they call it, inside Xbox thing, but like that showed off a lot of, you know, AA level type games um, in that sense, right? That may have otherwise been, been lost. Um, in the shuffle like you said so i hopefully that kind of thing continues and i don't expect sony to show off a whole lot of indie games <laughs> with like the ps5 reveal but um and the big problem with that was messaging right it wasn't content like i think people for the most part enjoy the content that the messaging was mixed up so then expectations got out of hand which will happen no matter what because it's the internet but they did do a good job of representing games that you know how many people would have been interested in the medium getting announced on its own as opposed to being in an Xbox show, right? As cool right, as that right. game looked, it would have got lost. So, the yeah, problem, you could, the you problem could definitely is... replace, uh, sorry, so, uh, no, Jeff Keeley's <laughs> thing by uh, like just following the topic or hashtag gaming on Twitter. Boom. There you yeah. go. You know? Hashtag gaming. Yeah. yeah, the issue is that like I think we're all inherently wired that when these publishers like ring a sort of bell or make an announcement of oh we're going to talk about a thing here we're all expecting big news but they've all shifted to like this drip feed format to where yeah. they're saying they're like boisterously saying oh we have a thing to say we're, we're announcing things and we're gonna make announcements and we're like oh okay and normally when they do that like we're expecting big things to happen and like the past couple times i mean it's been the xbox thing was kind of an instance of that sony's whole thing a few months ago where mark cerny gave a powerpoint presentation for an hour is another good example of that like i, I think part of this is just because we're in a console transition year that it's a little bit awkward but the whole 
shut down and no conventions has definitely contributed to it. I, I it's just all very the, the oddest one is the teases by WB Montreal for their Batman game. Then they go Dude, quiet, yeah. and then last week, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, where they're like, yeah. we love how excited you guys are, but currently we're going to be talking about studio culture and what's going on here, please be patient with us. And it's like, you can't tease stuff and then ask people to be paid, you can't have it both ways, you know what I mean? When did they start the teases for that? Was it like September of last of year? last year, and then they went dark, yeah. and then they popped up again in January, it's so weird. Worst mismanaged thing, and it's... It's I don't know what the hell's going on with DC in general in terms of their video game product. They were on a hot streak there, and then they've kind of disappeared. Gave the red carpet to play uh, to Marvel, you know. And now Marvel Ultimate Alliance wasn't outstanding, but it was still solid and a game people wanted. Spider Man was fantastic. Hopefully, Avengers is good if it even comes out this year. Um, but yeah, it's it's very weird what they're doing with that whole thing. We'll see what happens with the rest of the Drift Vita news. Uh, follow hashtag gaming on Twitter, as Dom recommended, for all your latest and greatest Jeff Keighley news updates. Uh, let's talk about this topic I came up with because it was such a lackluster news week. Uh, but this was important. This is something that was – I included part of the news and part of a segment that I, I heard about that this guy did some research and is pretty interesting. So my question to you guys is should we be prepared for a lackluster 2021? And you're wondering, well, why would we be concerned? You know, coronavirus is taking place in 2020. Hopefully everything will be back on track by 2021. Everything will be golden. Uh, based on the current circumstances and industry trends, we may be in for a lackluster beginning to the next generation of gaming in 2021. When asked how game development for the Xbox Series X has been affected by COVID-19 in an interview with Business Insider, Phil Spencer stated, quote, through the summer, early fall, I feel pretty good about those games. Games that are, we're targeting a year from now or beyond, there'll be some impact, but they'll be able to react. MoCap is just something that's basically stopped. And obviously he went on talking about why specifically MoCap stopped. When you have everybody staying at home, you can't go into a studio and have people put on all the weird little ping pong balls, right? And dance around and make a scene. Uh, and that's all interesting and well. And he talked about, you know, how in the short term, they're fine. Games that are going towards completion, but it's the games that are in the weird, like mid production, uh, that haven't really gotten everything finalized to put together that are going to be impacted. On top of this, this user, Billy the Door, wrote into uh, Kind of Funny's daily game show called Kind of Funny Games Daily. And he talked about how he went through and organized the highest graded years cumulatively based on each year's highest rated games via Metacritic from 20, uh, 2001 all the way to 2019. The two lowest rated years were 20, uh, 2006 and 2014. Each were the years that followed the release year of a new generation of consoles. So basically there was a dip in quality overall for those games released the year afterwards. Uh, which is interesting because you mostly think about the launch titles being lackluster. But for the years following those console releases to be the ones with the lowest review scores. I just want to hear from you guys. Should we expect you know 2021 to be a transition year uh, where a number of high quality releases take a hit? I guess, Logan, we'll start with you. Phil Spencer's comments and this data about Metacritic in the years following a next-gen release, how does this have you sitting in terms of 2021 game quality? Uh, yeah, I mean, the proof's in the pudding there for, what, almost two decades now that <laughs> release years after consoles are pretty dry most of the time. Uh, so if that's what ends up happening next year, or, or uh, again, the crew whole coronavirus pandemic could definitely contribute to that things getting moved around and pushed back as well um so yeah those could definitely play into one another um 
so yeah, I, I definitely think 2021 on paper is lining up to be an emptier year. Um, assuming that, like you said before, like something like Avengers doesn't slip the there. There's a couple other games this year as well that I wouldn't be shocked if they ended up slipping um, later on. But but yeah, I think uh, I don't know. In most of the games in the first few years, I feel like of console cycles are typically pretty underwhelming because people are trying to adapt to the new hardware. The games that are coming out were previously originally being worked on on previous hardware so they're never really getting everything that they could be out of the new consoles and stuff like that so i don't feel like we really see any great ideas until about mid-gen usually um that said i'm like cautiously optimistic that next year will break the mold assuming that uh games that we've heard could potentially be coming next year stay on track like we've previously heard that what like Horizon Zero Dawn is probably going to be a launch year game for PS5. We've heard, I don't know if you've heard this stuff before, Jared, but like some people are saying Spider-Man is supposed to be next year too. Spider-Man 2 um, could be next year as well. Yeah. Uh, people are saying that Insomniac started work on that basically the second they shipped the first game, um, which would surprisingly be three years after. Like once they have the, once they have the most of the systems down, that's the thing with like what Sony's doing at least right now is I feel like they went through a generation here where they put out a lot of new IP and a lot of the, a lot of the hard things that Sony studios had to do was simply building engines or like creating the framework for these games. I wouldn't be surprised if Sony studios like Santa Monica or like Gorilla or, uh, Insomniac can pump out sequels to stuff like God of War and Horizon and Spider-Man pretty quickly at this point because they've got the framework for most of those games put down, uh, especially like Gorilla because they, like we saw that I feel like with even Death Stranding, how surprisingly quick that game came together once they just hopped aboard the engine that Gorilla kind of created there for them. Um, so yeah, I feel like Sony could actually have some low-key like bigger releases next year. And then Phil Spencer keeps saying, like, on their front, too, that they've got all kinds of stuff lined up for uh, the future as well. And then Nintendo's obviously... Honestly, Nintendo's having a down year, it seems like, considering the fact that HD remasters of Mario games are going to be their big games of the calendar year, it seems like, which I will more than happily play and take, but it seems like it's going to be a slower year for them. I don't know. Next year could actually be, like, surprisingly better than we would think. Well, it seems like Japanese companies in general have been hit harder more than Western companies because of just their culture in general, right, and how it translates to working from home because they don't have yeah. the space that a lot of Western people have where they have these bigger houses where they can have a home studio and a home office. Um, I guess, Dom, another point to this that maybe you want to chime in on as well in addition to the stuff we've already covered is this is a more of a gradient transition for the, the next gen than what we've seen, right, because – with backwards compatibility and smart delivery and whatever PlayStation's going to call it, if they hopefully have it, uh, we're going to see these third-party developers kind of releasing on both for longer than we might assume would would have happened in generations past. Do you think that also has a factor in addition to you know the circumstances and such? That's an interesting point. <laughs> um, I, I get. I don't know how that's going to affect it because that's one thing I'm. I was hoping that uh, Sony was right taking a different approach to that um even though obviously like we're hoping for backwards compatibility across all uh you know all ps4 or whatever but um the idea that like the next horizon spider-man god of war would be you know exclusive to ps5 and not on ps4 has me way more excited than you know it also having a version on the old console um 
so I'm not sure exactly how that would play into you know looking at 2021 though. I think I think like Logan said, like I'm excited for that potential output uh, next year if one or two of those Sony games can come out, and then like Microsoft has been obviously keeping a lot under the hood uh, that we hope we're gonna get some stuff from them for next year. It's just yeah, I guess as long as they they were able to get done the mocap stuff that they need, um, then hopefully there's not too much else that would delay. I would say so Logan mentioned some of the PlayStation stuff that's most likely I think for Xbox the most likely candidates not that these are going to happen but the ones that are positioned the most are Fable right Mm -hmm. how far along Playground is with that Hellblade 2 because that was the second game that they've shown for the Series X after Halo obviously and lastly would be Everwild people forget that that game was shown and teased by Rare at XO19 last year so it'll be interesting to see I hope both of them have solid slates. We just don't know how they're affected in the back end, how far along these games are, because there's going to be games that get pushed from, you know, the spring to the fall, right? But there's also going to be games that get pushed from the fall to 2022. And we probably won't know that because we won't know the dates until they're already pushed afterwards, right? So yeah, we won't know what was affected because they, they won't tell us until afterwards, likely. Ooh. So and, and Elden Ring again is what I'm hoping for next year. Well... The, th- the interesting thing with that is that, so we know that the Xbox July event is first party focused, right? And I think the way it's being touted is like, oh, it's going to be all the 15 first party studios talking about their games, yada, yada, yada. But there have been some common sense, and I don't know if you've, you've seen these, Logan, from like Aaron Greenberg and some other people, that there's going to be non-first party games there. And whether that means, you know, exclusive partnerships with third party partners or second party partners or if it's third-party marketing deals like they do have with Elden Ring and you know Assassin's Creed Valhalla, if those will also show up, is the 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 communication on that's kind of odd of like what exactly will be there in addition to the first-party stuff, because you know they're doing the June thing, and my assumption is that's the third-party part, and then July is the first party, but then we're hearing that July, uh, June might just be hardware and some weird like clarifications and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're kind of they're kind of mixed right now because uh, even even Phil Spencer said that like any, every time they have events moving forward, like they have to show games. So like yeah. if their June event ends up just being purely like, oh hey, here's a more in depth look at the box and also a release date and price, like people appreciate the release date and price announcement, but they can't give that like without you, games, right? You can't yeah, say they gotta, pay this much for gotta, a box and not show anything. Yeah, they got to show some game stuff, and Phil Spencer's acknowledged as much, and I feel like it'd be totally just like moronic of them to hold a solo hardware event like that and not show games off because that just shows that they had not learned from the whole Xbox one kerfuffle kerfuffle, which happened. Happy anniversary to to that today. Hardware wise. Nothing. Uh, The rumored Lockhart, right? Yeah. The second, the second, the the potential second console, um, systems in like on the actual box, right? Like if there's improvements to achievements or all that nitty gritty stuff, yeah, like um, maybe like dashboard stuff, like how the platform actually runs. But that's like all ancillary. I don't feel like you need to talk about that stuff now. Yeah. That's like it needs people, to be actual games. When you see comments and people say things about like, well, when are they going to reveal it? And like, when is PS5 going to be revealed? And it's like, there's both pretty much been revealed. Like, yeah. Right? We yeah, I mean, the, we. Yeah. The, the console for PS5, I guess, is like. Look, but ag- yeah. yeah, but again, like. Who cares? I guess like it's just gonna be a plastic box that you'll sit in your entertainment center at the end right. of the day. Like I don't know. Um, on Elden Ring specifically, though, because I know we're all excited about that game. 
do you guys think it's coming next gen? Like, do you think that like when that game resurfaces, do you think it's going to be a whole thing like? Cross-gen, oh, here's I think. the here's the game now, and also it's on next gen because like. I really don't want them to do a Dark Souls 2 with it where it's like it comes out uh-huh. six months after the last or the next gen consoles, but it's for, uh-huh. I mean, that might be a little bit more tolerable and easy because you would assume that it would be forward compatible on the new stuff. Whereas last gen, that was not a thing. At least that would be the hope this time around. But if I was a betting man, because of the marketing deal with Xbox, they might work with Xbox to have it day one for Xbox Series X cross yeah. platform, cross gen. And it might come out on last gen. Uh, my biggest question would be PS5 because of that marketing deal and whether or not they focus on last gen. Or I doubt it. Best case scenario, it's cross gen. Worst case scenario, it's just last gen. I don't think any way that game releases and it's just next gen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it'll definitely be cross gen at the very least. Yeah, I should yeah. Just make that clear. Uh, I think something like the Yakuza, honestly, coming to Series X is a good indicator that like something like Elden Ring could come forward as well. Because, like, there's nothing really next-gen about Yakuza 7 or Yakuza Like a Dragon or whatever, but they're bringing it to Series X anyway. Uh, same with PS5s. I, I feel like that's a good indicator of kind of what a lot of publishers will, will do. I mean, Elden Ring aside, um, I feel like that's how a lot of people will approach it. Like, games like, what else is coming out later this year? Like, Avengers will probably be on next-gen soon enough after release. Same with Cyberpunk. They've not really committed to, but they sort of have. So, I don't know. That one's like in the middle. All the anyway. sports games, your favorite. All the sports games, <laughs> all the Call of Duties. Yeah, yeah, all that junk. One day we might get college football back. Maybe who knows? Um, Pay the players. So I'm of the opinion we were talking about the price and release. I'm still of the opinion that they might hold price for as long as they can and just do it in July. Obviously, a lot of this is dictated by when a PlayStation's event is held and what their price is, because we've heard Phil Spencer on numerous occasions say. Yo, we're flexible. We got the backing of Satya Nadella. We can do whatever. Um, some people take that as they're willing to push to 400 if they need to. Um, most people obviously think both boxes will be 500. It's it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do in June because we don't know. And with PlayStation, you've probably followed these things from Jeff Grubb over at uh, Venture Beat, where it's gone from the events happening in June, the beginning of June. And this is not a knock at Jeff Grubb. He's very solid with a lot of his stuff that he puts out there. But the way things are moving around is that it's like, it's happening at the beginning of June. There's going to be a big slate of games. Okay, maybe there's not going to be a big slate of games. Oh, I've heard that it might be moving back. Which, all of that information changing drastically isn't a knock on for me on Jeff Grubb. I think from his sources, he's hearing this stuff, which to me makes me wonder with PlayStation how we've heard how much they've struggled with this whole quarantine situation. You know, of how uh, the Unreal Engine was supposed to be available to play at... Uh, GDC and how I was supposed to follow the Mark Cerny PowerPoint. I'm wondering how big they're getting, you know, affected by this. If he's hearing from his sources stuff and those things are getting affected on the back end, I wonder if they are struggling to come up with something, you know, because the Ghost of Tsushima state of play also marks me as something that could have been shown three months ago. We've talked about how little we knew about that game, right, in general. And then they did the state of play, which is great. But that thing didn't show anything that couldn't have been ready three months ago or four months ago, right? And that could yeah, have been something they held a, for later. There was a good Greg Miller scoop. Because apparently that was supposed to be like a, what do they call it at IGN? When they do like a monthly thing. 
Oh, the IGN first. The IGN first. Yeah, uh, that was supposed to be one of those, like a few months back, and it all got screwed, you know, from COVID or whatever. Um, so, which is why it did feel a little awkward. Like, oh, it's coming out really soon, and we're just now hearing about it. I mean, it looks great, but yeah, I get what you're saying. And the thing we also have to put in perspective, like Nintendo's being really affected by it. PlayStation is much more of a Japanese company, right, than Microsoft's an American company, right? Most of his stuff happens here in the United States. So it would make sense why they would be the least affected because of what we're hearing with Japanese work culture being drastically altered because of this and them having the toughest time dealing with it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, 2021, I doubt it'll be lackluster. I think it's a strong of a word. It could be light on quality titles, but lackluster, I don't know, man. I don't know. The, people I call 2014... Like Sorry, I was ahead. just gonna say. I feel like the indie scene has blown up so much the past, even this generation, honestly. That, like, we can't go too long without even getting some, like, standout gems of some sort, even from that space. Uh, we have the what indie. the Messenger sequel? That's like a JRPG, right? That got kickstarted. Yeah. We have uh, Tunic, yeah, the Zelda one with the fox that's made mm-hmm. by one guy. There's some stuff yeah. that we've heard about for years that could come out. The Cuphead DLC, <laughs> where is that? Yeah, I was thinking oh, about yeah. that. I was thinking about that <laughs> earlier today that we never got that. The Last <laughs> Chalice it's or whatever its, it's called. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of stuff in development that, uh, yeah. And worst case, we it is hoisted by these indies that come out of nowhere, right? Um, I don't know. It's it's tough because we don't know. We've never been in the situation before, so we don't know how things are going to get affected. So on top of you know the year after uh, next gen coming out usually being lackluster we have on top of that the quarantine stuff so who knows uh i guess we'll save the second topic for another podcast i think we've had a good show so far we'll hop into what we've been playing for me it's much of the same animal crossing on the daily just getting in and doing my my hashtag dailies for animal crossing having a blast with that i've completely designed my island so now i'm just going through specifically designing like my house and you know just doing animal crossing stuff but more importantly or not importantly, depending on who you are. I've been playing a lot of Warzone, Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, I, I bounce around with the Battle Royales, uh, mainly just Apex Legends and Call of Duty Warzone. And it's mostly based on my friend group of what they feel like playing, because I enjoy both of those games a lot. Uh, I would like PUBG more if it <laughs> was in better shape, uh, but it just still hasn't gotten to a place where I feel comfortable playing it all the time. Um I don't know how familiar you guys are with what's happening currently in Warzone, but they've added these bunkers that you can unlock with keys in the in the game, and you kind of find these randomly in they're like key cards in these uh, special loot boxes, and you can go and open these places, and they have special weapons in them, right? Like higher tier loot, which is cool. There's a specific bunker. There's 13, I think, total. The 13th one, you have to go to these separate phones across the map. I think like five of them. And once you get to all of them and you activate them, you get to unlock that main bunker. And inside of it is higher tiered weapons, but there's also a lot of like Cold War related stuff going on in there in terms of like blueprints of, of uh, ships and planes and stuff. And people think it's a tease for news that we didn't get into this week. The next Call of Duty being Black Ops Cold War. So that's going to be interesting. That ends up being a long tease for that because... Uh, you know, Activision and Call of Duty isn't known for doing that type of stuff. The Fortnite-type teases. But, uh, yeah, who knows. My biggest issue, or question rather, is 
will Warzone continue when they update the map to fit the, this year's Call of Duty? Or is it just like Blackout? Because everything they've communicated is it's not like Blackout. Blackout being the Battle Royale that released for Black Ops 4. So we'll see what happens there. Other than that, uh, I've been watching a whole lot of Attack on Titan. Got into that anime pretty deep. Uh, that's pretty much it for me this last week. Not too busy. Uh, Logan, you, as our guest, what have you been doing? I've not been playing anything really specific right now, surprisingly. Um, I've been kind of enjoying taking a minor break from some things. I also am just like paralyzed by not knowing what to really play specifically at the moment, which is weird. Um, I've got a friend who's trying to get me to replay The Last of Us with him before the sequel comes out. I was just so going to ask do... you guys, are either of you planning on doing that? I might. Um mainly because it would be for hashtag content purposes if I do that. So uh, so I might replay that here pretty soon. Plus, it's it's not that long. I don't know. That's at least a fairly linear game. Other than that, uh, I've been dabbling with Final Fantasy VII. I can't get into it. Um, <laughs> I wish I could. I'm only on, like, Chapter 4, and I, I don't even hate what's being presented. It's just, like... I'm just kind of like every every time every time a character speaks or something happens, I'm like okay, like I I just don't understand the allure or the charm. You of and it. Dom are on the same oh, wavelength. That's insane. Yeah. He's been saying the same stuff the last couple yeah. of weeks. It's so funny. <laughs> it's just so strange to me that people are like so like attached to these characters and just mm-hmm. love that that world. Like I, again, I don't even think it's bad. It's just like this is what people think is like a god tier video game. So really? I I beat the game. As somebody who didn't play the original, right? I've already finished the game. Mm-hmm. The ending is completely bonkers, bad shit, oh, I, Square Enix bullshit. I know, I know about the ending already. I've had yeah. people tell me what happens, and uh, no, thank you. The oddest thing to me is that whenever people talk about it, they're like, oh, the characters, Barrett's the best. And to me, I like the other characters except for Barrett. I think Barrett is still like a huge caricature. I think he's like more than mildly racist. I, I just... <laughs> And the story in general is super convoluted in a Japanese manner. And me being somebody who's not super JRPG guy, I'm like, yo, this is totally nostalgia. Like, this is strong nostalgia play when people are talking about it. It's a good game. It's a a well-designed game, a developed game. I think all the narrative stuff is, like, completely irrelevant for the most part. Uh, But, like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in the sense of, like, I enjoyed my time with it. But I don't know if it necessarily deserves all the praise you know what i mean yeah we're we're doing our like game of the year stuff piecemeal at dual shockers now so we're gonna have like our discussion about that i think in at the end of next month it would be so uh we're doing them like quarterly now i am totally not looking forward to talking about that game because i know there's some people on our staff who are like super super gung-ho passionate about it which is great but like i don't know it's gonna be a knockdown drag out thing uh Sorry, uh, real Go quick. It. It's one of those games like Breath, well, Breath of the Wild for me in the sense that there's so much love and passion behind the people who really enjoy it that it's hard. To, it's a it's a very uphill battle. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost not worth even mentioning it because you just don't want to get into it. You know what I mean? Because it's a resounding love and it's like, I don't know, you come from the perspective, I just don't get it. Yeah, and I used to be way more combative with people when it would come to stuff like that. Like, no, I'm here to outright prove that this game is bad or something. Like, now I've just reached a point where I'm like, ah, oh, cool, you like that game, good for you, I guess. But, yeah. like, 
I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Anyway, uh, last thing I played, uh, it's not even, it's, well, it'll be out by the time this is out, but I played Maneater, that shark video game, that open world <laughs> RPG shark game. It's pretty not great. Um, oh, it's not even just dumb know. fun? It's it's dumb fun, but it is like the most like by the numbers RPG open world, collect all the items, gotcha. check off all the tasks on your map type thing. Uh it's fun. Like I enjoyed it. Like I played it for probably eight hours straight last Saturday and I beat the whole thing. Uh, it's pretty short. Um, it's, it looks like the type of game that has like the right amount of jank to it. Yeah, sort of. And then it's got the, like the bad amount of jank to it as well. (laughs) Like there was like one point, like late in that game where I died and when I I hit, I hit it it was like, Oh, press X to restart or respawn or whatever. I hit it. And it legit reloaded me at the opening cutscene of the video game at like oh, level wow. one. I was like, "Hold up, what happened? What just happened?" So I had to like quit out to the dashboard, open the game back up, and luckily, luckily, it didn't like eat my save there or anything like that. But uh, yeah, and also the bad thing about that game is I totally got like 100% completion on it in like 10 or 12 hours or something like that. Uh, and there's no platinum trophy on that game, and that made me Ooh, really, really bothered. I don't know why either. Why? It's like a full retail release video game, and it doesn't have a platinum trophy. It's forty bucks rather than sixty, I think. But uh, anyway, I don't it's know. It's 40 goofy. Whoa. Yeah, it's 40, 40 bucks. I always looked at like a goat simulator type game. Was goat simulator no. forty dollars? I don't even remember what that launched I think at. It was like twenty, maybe fifteen or yeah. twenty, probably. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's goofy. It's it's fun. Like it's just very very one note, and it it. it yeah, like by the I was glad it was so I was glad it was so short, but because by the time I hit the end of that like ten or twelve hours, I was like, okay, glad this is done and I never have to play this game anymore. So, so yeah. I can just imagine Logan going into that Dual Shockers meeting for Game of the Year. Everyone's like Final Fantasy VII remake. Logan's like Man Eater. Dude, I was I was I'll say this: I was stupid excited to play that game for some reason. I just thought it looked like dumb fun, and I was like, again, like I can't figure out what else I want to play right now, and everything else on my potential backlog seems so daunting right now i've got like final fantasy and persona and like all these big like rpg games that i just don't want to get really deep into and then on the other hand it was presented with here's a game where you eat people as a shark i was like yeah okay this sounds wonderful at the moment so (laughs) yeah yeah well at least it did something for you didn't that game showed so well at the pc gaming show every year uh for like the two years it was there so I'm still super surprised it's forty dollars. Seems like a tough sell, but who knows? Uh, Dom. Yeah, so I've still been mostly playing Battlefront Two. It's it's great, man, and I'm I'm like I have like three trophies left for this platinum. One of which is like hitting level fifty, which is gonna be that's gonna be a minute because that's a lot of levels. But uh, and then there's yeah, then the other two I have left are like Starfighter Assault, you know, trophies that are just awful to get and uh, very situational and especially in a multiplayer game that, that kind of shit drives me nuts but the game is still fantastic i'm having a ton of fun with it um, does it have single player trophies for like the three-hour campaign yeah it, yeah it i think like half the trophies are from the single player and the okay. dlc yeah um but yeah i've talked about that a bunch before so not, not really anything new there but yeah that going back to final fantasy 7 that was like Logan, the same exact reaction I was having. I ended up pushing all the way to like, probably like 20 hours in and just kind of waiting, like waiting for the story to get good and interesting. I'm like, this is just, 
I don't care. I don't care about anything that this is doing. The combat is all right. It's fine. The materia stuff. I don't get why people love that because that shit was kind of annoying. I love that stuff. I'm on that side of the argument, unfortunately. <laughs> the one yeah. problem is they should have material loadouts that you can like set up and then you can just click them for your character. You don't have to worry about constantly moving back and forth with them. That'd be my big like want for an upgrade in the, in the sequel. And it, it reminds me of, because uh, then the next thing I was going to say was, I hate that when you find a new weapon, you have to go through and like upgrade as if you had had it from the beginning of the game and do like 50 skill points worth of upgrades. And that's like, I'm like, what in the hell? And it's a, it's a minor thing, but it reminds me of uh, when Chris brought up, you know, the weapon wheel in Days Gone being kind of wank, kind of jank. Wank, jank. Wack, whatever. Wank is, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> jank. Wrong word. Yeah. Um, and he brought that up, and I was like, oh, yeah, that was terrible. But I had loved that game so much that it, it really didn't matter. Whereas in Final Fantasy VII, it's like, it's fine. It's a fine. It's okay of a game. But then when something like that, you know, kind of equivalent comes up, it, like, pisses me off more because I'm, like, not really into the game in general. So I'm like, I don't want it. I don't well, yeah, it. the more you love a game, right, the more you're able to forgive and look over just because you're having such a good time with it, right? Yeah, like, it matters less, a tiny flaw, I guess. But, but yeah, and then, like, the characters, I'm like, I don't know. I had finally gotten to you last week. I told you about it. I had gotten to like the night wall, night market town. I don't even know what the fuck it was called anymore. Um, and I'm like, oh, this town is pretty cool. Like there's a lot of people bustling, bustling around. It's like, oh, wall market. charming. Yeah. Wall market. Yeah. And it feels like a, like a better version of a Zelda town. Right. And there's some goofy stuff. And then I finished that whole quest line and like the stuff that happened in that quest, I was like, what was this? What is this? Why am I, why is cloud? Dressed as a woman, and what is this guy that this Don Corneo? I I I'm completely like out after that. I said I'm not. I'm done playing. This you game. should this see the weird. original version of that mission in the the game. It was way more transphobic and like not great. They did a good job of modernizing it for the most part. Still some issues, but I guess man, and I'm not like it's not like I'm like offended or anything like that. yeah. It's just you know, I just hard. I just don't get it. I'm like what what the fuck was all this? I don't I don't know what I just did. I, I think why, did, why is this here? <laughs> I've thought about it since because I, I beat that game maybe like two weeks ago or whatever. I've thought about sense of like why I pushed through and because pl- I enjoyed my time with it. And I think part of it was me being disappointed so much by Kingdom Hearts three and not even finishing that game that I was mm-hmm. like I kind of want to get my the most out of my money with the Square Enix title. You know what I mean? Like you burned me once. Yeah, yeah. I'll give it that because I, I felt the same way about Kingdom Hearts three, right? But then so through most of Final Fantasy, I was like, oh, this is like a. A better version of that game you know more interesting combat just there's no disney characters so that's less interesting and you know these characters are i don't know like i don't I, you gotta tell me like cloud gets more interesting or something i would hope well, he's a, he's like the least people talk about how cool of a character he is he's like completely vanilla ass protagonist yeah. in a video game yeah. <laughs> like Aerith and tifa are way more interesting than him or barrett barrett's just a character mm-hmm. Yeah, I have pe- I have people that I know who really like the game, and I keep saying the same thing. I'm like, I just don't get Cloud, dude. I'm like, this is, yeah. this is a guy that everybody likes, and they're like, oh, it's so good though because he gets so much better later. I'm like, well, this is like part one of a three part thing. It's like <laughs> it, it, we don't know when part two's coming. It's gonna be like three or four years down the line. I'm like, you're telling me I gotta wait for a, it, it's just it's such a strange thing because the people who are the most excited about it are the people who know what come. Like maybe he does become a great character and stuff like that, but like it's like they're like looking forward to him i i I don't i don't know it's just as a a new person coming into it for a first time i'm just like very Mm -hmm. 
baffled. By there were some there were some good side quests. I did like all the side quests up to where I got. And there were, a lot of them were pretty interesting. I guess. Uh, Dom, uh, Dom Logan answered this question. Are you planning on replaying Last of Us before two comes out? Uh, you know that might be a good idea because I'm in a similar spot of like I've just been playing Battlefront, which is a little weird, especially for me, and I don't really know what else to play. I part of me wanted to play Fallout seventy six Wastelanders, but. I kind of want to really... try that too. Dude, I've been yeah. waiting, Logan, for months for that game just to come to Game Pass, dude. I'm like, put it on Game Pass already and I'll play it immediately. I just don't want to pay money for it. And when it's on yeah. sale, every time I've seen it on sale anyways, I've seen it for like 30 bucks at the least. And I'm like, I'll get in for 20 Give me 20 But I just miss it, I guess, when it's that low. Yeah, so I was bouncing around with potentially doing that, but it's like, eh, I love Fallout, but even this Wastelanders DLC is like, not reviewing great. <laughs> yeah. I don't, know. I don't even know if it's worth the time to try because I'm still having fun just shooting droids and, you know, and being Django or uh, Boba Fett and things like that. So, yeah. I think I'm going to watch yeah, a Let's Play of Last of Us. I don't know if I'm going to replay it. I might just watch a Let's Play. I'm not sure. That's a good idea. That might be a better idea because I don't, I don't have a strong desire to play that game again necessarily. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to either. the second one, but... I just want to like a refresher on the intricacies of like the characters and everything going on, and like I know callouts when they happen in the sequel. I don't necessarily need to play through the game moment by moment, you know. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens there. I-, I think a lot of people are in that place right now where it's paralysis by analysis and indecision and figuring out what you want to do. And this exactly. happens always when there's a big game around the corner that everyone's excited for. Of like, well, I don't want to start something too late and then cut off in the middle of it, but then I'm not doing anything right now. What do I do exactly? So. Yeah. Who knows? And it's funny because these are the moments, if you're somebody who's into the battle royales of the games of service games, these are the moments that are best for those style of games because they are the hop in, hop out, like Battlefront 2, right? You have no mm-hmm. need to continue playing it outside of platinuming it, but like you can move on from that to Last of Us in a moment's notice, right? Part 2. So that's it for this week. Uh, hopefully, Chris will be back next week. Thank you guys for listening. Before I get into the whole rigmarole of the show, Logan, please let people know where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at moreman12. My account might be, still be private. I might change that soon. Um, so you can follow me over there if you're interested. You can also follow all of uh, my work and everybody else's work that I work alongside over at dualshockers.com. So stay up to date with us over there. Awesome. Make sure to search hashtag gaming as well, as Dom recommended on Twitter. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please go over to iTunes. If you listen to us on that platform, leave us a review. It helps us grow. On YouTube, search Controlled Interest will pop right up. Hit the bell notification to let you know when we get new uploads up and going because the YouTube sub boxes are super fickle and you can't trust them. And like the video if you enjoy the podcast every time it comes out each week. We're on Spotify uh, as well. Didn't ink that Joe Rogan $100 million deal for exclusivity rights? Not quite yet. Uh, but yeah, we can find us on Spotify as well. And Twitter, you can find us collectively at CTRLINT, that's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. You can follow Chris, who's not here this week, at Topher Noons. You can follow me at Jared underscore. And like Logan said, you can follow him at Moreman12 on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully there's some bigger news on the docket we'll see what jeff Keeley takes ownership of i bet that'll get logan uh nice and happy for next week <laughs> catch you guys next time